0: Welcome back to the Metal Exchange, Justin and Chris. Here with you for another week. Should I apologize up front, or should I save it for the end? How are you, my friend?
1: <laughs> uh, not too bad. Not too bad. I, uh, this, this was interesting, to say the least. Well, I, I, we, you know, 114 episodes in,
0: I haven't made you do a death metal album, so it was it was definitely time. Um, I don't know when we'll come back to one, but I have some others that are marinating that at some point I think we'll get to, but, um, Oh, I can't, I can't wait. I, I, I I bet before, before we get there, uh, did you listen to anything else this week as a, as a palate cleanser?
1: Yeah. Well, I kept going back to my good friend, Tommy Johansson to, (laughs) to just clear the cleanse the palate. You know, normally I would usually go to power quest when I need a palate cleanser, but I'd listened to like all their albums recently, um, from when we did the, the podcast. So, I kind of went more in the rain seed slash Majestica direction to just, I I was like I was having a difficult week with work and having to listen to this type of music on like compounded things. So, um, (laughs) yeah, that was my, that was my palate cleanser. Uh, also Stradivarius dropped a a fourth single from their upcoming survive album called frozen in time. And, uh, I I think the album comes out next week, I think. Um, but, uh, Looking forward to that. And, and this one kind of hit me by surprise. I didn't realize they had a new album, but uh, Eden Bridge has a new album called Shangri La, um, which I have not listened to yet, but I am looking forward to. I feel like they're a band that's been around forever that just doesn't get talked about enough. So, Yeah, they're,
0: they're kind of flying under the radar, and it's interesting because they've been around for so long. Um, I saw them on 70,000 Tons of Metal when they were on the cruise about. I guess, the last time they had one. Um, very, very interesting. It's it's like a band that never hit the Nightwish or the Epica popularity, not even close. Um, but they just seem to put out like decent album or good album after a good album, but just nobody talks about them, like you said.
1: Yeah, I'd love to be able to see them live at some point. I feel like they're kind of like a no-brainer for prog power after all these years, but... What do I know? (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, it's uh, you'd think so, but for whatever reason, I don't know.
0: They just uh, they 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 haven't made it over here. Um, I wanted to mention just a couple of albums that came out this week that I thought were kind of interesting. One which I've listened to, the other one which I've heard just a couple of songs from. Um, But I got to be honest, I listened to a bunch of stuff this week. Nothing really resonated with me. I I thought the new Behemoth album was kind of Pedestrian. I, I had high expectations for that. Uh, I, I really had a chance to dive into the new Blind Guardian. I have to give that some more time. I, I I liked about half the songs that really just hit me right away, and the rest I thought was a little bit meandering in spots. So I need to give that another listen because I know people are raving about it. Um, but the the albums I I thought were really good, ironically enough. The new Bloodbath album, which I guess I was in a death metal mood this week. The new death, uh, the new Bloodbath album called "Survival of the Sickest," very, very good. They're a Swedish supergroup, formerly with Michael Ackerfeldt and Dan Swanö and Per Eriksson, but now it's basically um, the singer from Paradise Lost. It's uh, the singer. And bass player for Catatonia, although he doesn't sing so much uh, uh, up front on this album. And it's just, you know, a a really quality death metal release. So if you haven't heard the new Bloodbath, highly recommended. And the other album um, that I I listened to was, I should say, I heard some songs from, was a band called Dying Alone. And the album is called One Man Tragedy. And this nobody is talking about. You can't even find this on Google. I don't, a friend of mine had brought it to my attention. I caught some clips on YouTube. I'll post them during the week. This has potential for being a really, really good album. It's kind of like melodic death metal, I guess. Um, But it ventures off into other directions as well. It's not like your insomnium or or something like that, which is more straightforward. Really cool stuff. I'll post something during the week. But what I really wanted to uh, kind of spend some time talking about was a show that I saw last night. I have been a fan of Porcupine Tree for many, many years. I think I've probably been a fan for about t- over 20 years at this point. And they announced this new album and they announced this reunion tour, so I immediately get tickets. But i got to be honest, I had very low expectations for some reason. And it's maybe it was because I didn't love the new album or maybe it's because I thought the last album prior to the breakup wasn't very good. And so for all these reasons, I just kind of expected them to go on stage play an hour and a half, play six or seven, you know, six songs off the new album and then, you know, three or four greatest hits and walk off stage. I was completely wrong. Stephen Wilson has, at least from a stage presence standpoint, transformed himself into being this from, – from this grouchy, miserable person into like this – comedic jovial guy i don't know i mean time has done this man wonders i don't know what else is going on for him but they get on stage and, and and for those that haven't seen them i won't spoil the set list all i will say is they played two full sets and an encore uh for nearly three hours about two hours and 40 minutes or so and they played a lot they played new stuff they played old stuff They played the greatest hits. They played some stuff I never thought I would see live. And I just – I cannot tell you how good this show was. I was so – I came away so impressed. Um, and, And they played Radio City Music Hall in New York City, which for those that don't know, obviously a very, very iconic venue where they have the Christmas Spectacular every year but it seats over 5,000 people and the place was packed. You couldn't get a seat. So they have officially gone into the blown up category. This band is now huge and kudos to them because I know they've been around for almost 30 years and, um, you know, they kind of went out all of a sudden they, they disbanded, they come back 12 years later and they're bigger than ever. So kudos to them.
1: That's awesome. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, I saw Pearl jam at Madison square garden on Sunday. Um, and uh, it was it was great to like be in a large venue and feel that that kind of palpable energy, um, like before a show starts, everybody getting excited. Like I mean, I hadn't seen an arena show since before the pandemic, and being in this like crowd of seventeen or eighteen thousand, whatever the garden holds these days, it was it was wild. I, it was just so great to to be back in like a, just a, a venue like that. And, and I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Iron Maiden and Within Temptation in a similar, you know, similar venue, a similar sized venue. So um, yeah, good stuff. We guess we both got to see a good, good show this week. So in,
0: I was going to ask you in terms of like, I mean, you've seen Pearl Jam a thousand times. Was it one of the better shows? Was it you know, kind of in the middle. How, how does it rank? Because I know that when I, we talked briefly, and it was, it started off really hot. I just don't know how it ended.
1: Yeah, well, I told Naps I, I thought it was like a seven for me. I've okay. seen them. I, this is my thirteenth time. Um, I it. I thought that the first like seven or eight songs were just like they were on fire, and then they kind of hit like kind of a lull in the middle where they were playing like some of the newer songs I don't love, and even flow, which I think is. Um, it's kind of the the bathroom break song for the yeah. band, or the yep. popcorn song, if you will. Um, and then I feel like they never... Like, there would be, like, little hints of... And this is all based on my personal preference for song choice. Uh, but there were, like, hints of, of like, songs I really liked sprinkled in. But then it was, like... The rest of the show was, like, a lot of covers and a lot of, like, what I call casual fan favorites. Which... I find I'm starting to find is like typical of the Madison Square Garden show is that they're kind of playing to the the more casual Pearl jam fan and um, uh, you know I saw that their set list from Camden a couple of days later it, it was a little bit more what I would have preferred to see as far as more I mean it's not even about obscurity it's just that I just happen to like. like random songs throughout the band's catalog and, and they just happen to be songs that they don't really play that much. So like I have to get really lucky and and it has to be one of those shows where they happen to play a bunch of stuff. Um, especially like my favorite albums by the band are just typically not touched on like no code and riot act and the, the, uh, the self-titled. Um, but I mean, they started off by playing uh release and garden and, um, so like that that was like really set the tone early. Um, you know they played Dissident, which I love, but um, I just kind of like got it, it didn't it didn't hold that energy for me from the beginning. And that could have just been me being old and tired, spending a whole day in New York City can take it out of you. Um, but you know I was just like waiting for like that those that like another block of songs that were going to knock my socks off and and mind you it was very very enjoyable but it was just like you know my expectations have just gotten so high uh for like wanting to hear all your favorite songs and it just doesn't always work out that way but that said it was it was very enjoyable so nice i I think that's a a good
0: review i'm sure that if you went to see every show on the tour you'd have some shows that were nine and a half and some shows that were like six but they're six right is probably another band's eight so it's all relative i guess
1: yeah for sure
0: so um as i said I, i i selected Death's symbolic this week because many people regard this as one of the finest death metal albums of all time not just by the band death but by the you know from the genre but what i didn't realize about this album and i guess what i struggled with was very a very technical album um more technical than I thought. And I and, and it made it kind of difficult for me to really grasp um, the technicality side, which I can certainly appreciate, but it's usually not something I gravitate towards. It, it reminds me of when we did Zero Hour way back. I think it was the first Request album that we did. And yep. even though it's a prog band and I can appreciate what they were doing, to me, I lose a little bit when it's just technical for technical sake, if that makes sense. And I found that this was... That version of the technicality there, where I can only listen to it kind of in smaller doses. So when I would sit down and I'd listen to the entire album, I'd almost get lost in it, if that makes sense.
1: Makes complete sense. Um, I, yeah, this was. Um, this took me five good listens to even appreciate a little bit. Like it just. It, it was so not what i like you know it's it's technical like instrumentally technical which i find to be masturbatory and unnecessary and it's vocally harsh and and (laughs) which i'm fine with um you know if i had listened to this album 20 years ago i would have dismissed it within a, a minute of listening to it um but much like you know, we joke about the the Anthrax album that I is my lowest rating of any album we've talked about. It's kind of the same thing for me in terms of the fact that everything just sounds the same to me. It's like it, it's just this, and and it's never interesting. The same. It's just kind of this like mediocre sameness that I appreciate the 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 talent and like I can understand why somebody would enjoy this but it is just so not my thing and the lack of of any sort of melodicness to it which which is why I do enjoy like melodic death metal you know bands like Soilwork and Scar Symmetry and and, um, Children of Bodom and things like that because of the you know because of the the melodies and stuff it's easier for me to kind of get into it and not even though I'm not like hearing this wondrous vocal performance like i can get i get it because it's like it's meant to have kind of an edge to it um this just like it it just was kind of there i I listened to this album six times like i really wanted to to give it like it's it's just do and again like i get it and i'm looking forward to i'm more looking forward to hearing what you have to say about it because i feel like you probably enjoyed it more than i did um but it it just i don't know it was just kind of there for me
0: yeah i i also gravitate towards the melodic side, something that's got the hooks that I can kind of sink my teeth into. This album doesn't really have that, right? It's more, again, very technical, and it doesn't have the hooks that you say, oh, I, I can immediately gravitate towards this song or, or that song. It's an album, obviously, without any ballads, so it's not like you have the, that that you can kind of say, oh, well, it deviates from the rest. It's really just kind of, a, a in many ways, just a, you know, like a 50 minute Onslaught on the senses, um, but we'll 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 break it down because there were elements I really really liked, other things that I didn't care for as much. Um, but we'll we'll get into it. I'll just give a little bit of background. The album comes out March twenty first of nineteen ninety five. Um, this is obviously Chuck Schuldner, uh his 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 baby and his 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 band that he was with uh you know up until the time of his passing. Um he is on lead vocals and guitar. Uh he's joined by Bobby Colbel on guitar, Kelly Conlin on bass, and Gene Hoagland on drums, who we spoke about um during our strapping young lad episode. And you can actually hear the similarity in the drumming here as you do with the strapping young lad he's a perfect drummer for this band. And quite frankly, one of the highlights on the disc for me, and I'll, I'll, I'll mention certain tracks where his drumming really stands out, but the guy's a machine and like somehow he holds this thing together and more power to him. Because if you
1: didn't have a strong drummer on this, I think it would be an absolute train wreck. Fair. Um, yeah, I thought the drumming stood out for me as well. Um, I thought it was, yeah, I did. I wanted to do, I mentioned that. I think, um, the beginning of of uh, you know zero tolerance, which we'll talk about, like kind of gave me almost like a uh, Alice in Chains kind of vibe. The way that it opens up with the that that dr- that drum at the beginning. Um, it was interesting when I was like doing the my research. I was like, yeah, I, I remember this name. We've talked about this guy before, and sure enough, um, uh, you know, I guess he had a stint in Anthrax as well later on. Not not from the time that we talked about them, but, um, we've definitely touched on some, uh, some bands that he's been a part of. So for sure, for sure.
0: And, and to your point, I think I listened to this album more than any other album that we've covered. I think I listened to it seven or eight times during the, the course of the week. And I had to, because the first three times I listened to it, it sounded like just one song in, in a sense. And I was having a problem breaking up the different tracks and by the fourth listen, I started to really hear some of the nuances here. And I'll, I did something else this week, which I normally don't do. But I did something else this week. I think by the sixth listen, I just you went on to a listen.
1: killing spree? <laughs> well,
0: that. And I don't usually do that. But what I did is I listened to a track. And then I stopped listening and I would do something else. And half an hour later, I'd come back and I'd listen to the second track. So I was really isolating each of the tracks And I found it to actually make the entire experience more enjoyable because when I isolated the tracks, I really appreciated them more. And then when I put it back together for like the seventh or eighth listen or whatever it was, I think I appreciated the entire album as a whole because I had broken it down. It was an interesting exercise. It's something that I never do and something that I don't know that I'll necessarily need to do again. But I thought it was helpful here to kind of parse out some of these tracks, which although there's certain – differences there was a lot of continuity there which made it sound like a you know like you know 45 minutes of of the same thing
1: yes what you said Uh (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah like i i i I can understand how that would be helpful um i feel like the more i listened to it the more each song kind of had had its own kind of feel like i agree with you i listened to it um the first the first time i listened to i was driving back from new york city from the the aforementioned Pearl Jam concert. And like, I mean, like driving in a car, like, and just driving down the same road, listening to this thing, it was like, it was almost like time stopped for an hour, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like um, it's the same road. It's the same song. I'm like, what? And next thing I know, like I I went from Scranton to Binghamton in, in what seemed like the blink of an eye. Um, it's uh it's interesting and, and and it kind of set the tone for my week where i'm just kind of like man i i was struggling with like is this ever gonna resonate with me like am i gonna get am i gonna have this aha moment the fourth time i listen to it and be like oh sh- oh shit there it is because that's happened before like I, sure, we've sure. done albums where like the first two or three times i'm just like yeah i don't get it and then all of a sudden typically with more like proggy or, or technical kind of stuff and um I will say, like, I did enjoy, if, if we're going to do the Strapping Young Lad comparison, I did enjoy Strapping Young Lad a, a touch more. Um, I don't know if I can think back that far to to really explain as to why. I just felt like something about it, it even though it was, like, aggressive and extreme a, a lot like this, I don't know if it's just I've become a fan of Devin Townsend's vocals over the years or, or what, but... Um, I think city has more variety,
0: and I think it's like a bit more of a like a ride, like a roller coaster where it's ups and downs. I mean, there's a lot of.
1: I feel like this kind of went back and forth between like mid tempo thrash, and then just like, um, and then just these spots where it just gets like super fast and aggressive, and then it just but that's kind of it. Like yes, yes. So. Exactly,
0: and and to that end, you know, I, I want to break down the tracks with you like we often most you know usually do, but I don't know that I have as much to say about the individual tracks as I would on another album because there's going to be a lot of repetition with what we say. I think because the tracks, in many ways, are just that. Um, for example, the, the album kicks off with "Symbolic," right? The, the title track, and it's got this slower intro, which was a little bit slower than I expected. I thought it was just going to be in your face from the from from Jump Street, um, but it kicks off with this slower intro, a really good riff. The vocals, I don't mind. I just don't think that they add a ton to the music. I just think that they're kind of there, and at no point did I say, "Wow, this vocal line was." you know, particularly great. I just feel like the guitars and the drums here are what drive this ship and the vocals almost accompany it. I didn't find them distracting. I didn't find them to add very much. They were just kind of there. Um, But on this track, for example, you talk about like how it kind of goes from mid-tempo to picking up speed. The chorus here is very thrashy. And I actually hear a lot of Slayer during the instrumental sections, just in terms of that fast thrash, you know, fast thrash metal, not so much death metal, but thrash metal in in many spots um but what i liked about the track in general was just that the the subtle changes of pace here but that's because it's the first track and then you get like nine more of those right so like that's that was
1: kind of my thoughts on symbolic right um to me i I guess to kind of um to to follow up on your comment about the, the the vocals um i too i thought the vocals were you know, the, I, they're not bad. Like, if you're into um, if you're into like death vocals, I mean, I, I think it's fine. Um, I just think that had had there been like a more like big four like thrash vocalist kind of style, like be it Mustaine or Hetfield or you know whoever, I think I would have enjoyed this a bit more. It's just that, like you said, the vocals don't really add or take away. At all. And so, like, where the music itself is just like okay to me, like, a a really strong vocal performance could have pushed this a little bit more favorably, in my opinion. Um, It's funny you mention that. I'm going to tell you something that you probably. Well, let me me just Uh, just say, like, I don't yeah, I don't find like the vocals to be offensive. like there are some death vocals that are so like guttural and and like just so angry and and like I this is pretty much middle of the road for me like as far as death vocals go. I don't think that it's bad. It's just that I don't know, I just didn't find that it was that interesting either
0: you're not alone. Chuck Schuldner was interviewed at some point after the album came out. And like, I'm sure you don't know this. He was a fan of like eighties power metal. Right. So like he likes a lot of this stuff that we, you know, we seem to gravitate towards. And he was basically quoted as saying, quote, some of the stuff I, I write could have easily had melodic vocals, especially some of the material on symbolic. And he had been toying with actually doing clean vocals on this album. But for whatever reason, he went with his typical style how fascinating would that have been if he had done clean vocals on this and whether that would have changed the – would we would we have gravitated to it more? I don't know. But it's just an interesting take because it was almost like he recognized that it would have been a good fit.
1: Yeah. Like I'm almost thinking like what what would like Kai Hansen would have sounded like on something like this where he has kind of a raspiness to him but also a melodic, like non-screaming kind of <laughs> situ- voice. Yeah, like yeah. I, I couldn't – I don't know that like a smoother vocalist would have worked, but I think maybe somebody that has a little bit more like a little bit more rasp in his voice would have been good. It's just that like, he, I feel like the vocals on, on this are just very one note. Um,
0: yes. And, and and I think that that was one of the problems for me as well. They, they definitely don't stand out. Um, I could name other singers as well, but I think Kai is a great example. Even an early walls of Jericho era, Kai Hansen on this would have been amazing. I think um, and just provided a little bit of contrast and flavor. So uh, that that's the that's the title track. The, the second is Zero Tolerance. I'm glad you mentioned it. I love the little drum fill intro. I thought that that was really cool. I think this pa- this song is a little bit of a slower, steady pace throughout. Um, but the the highlight here is the drumming. The drumming on this track, not just the intro, but the entire thing, is awesome. And there's like these little spacey guitar effects that are kind of interwoven into certain parts of the song albeit seemingly for no rhyme or reason but I think it did provide a nice contrast on this track um not my favorite but I thought that this was a pretty decent follow-up uh, second track
1: yeah I mean it was fun I mean I honestly felt almost exactly the same about all nine songs like to me it was just yeah, like yeah. every song nothing really was any better or worse than than the last? And for the most part, I I, um, I did kind of like like you said those little guitar parts. It almost reminded me of um, finding a an item in the Legend of Zelda. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I can hear that. Um, um, so, um, but yeah, I mean, again, it's just kind of like more more of the same as far as I'm concerned. Um, Empty words. The third track has this little melodic intro,
0: which is kind of cool and then gets extremely heavy and aggressive and it's very very dark cool riffs little kind of guitar musings throughout which i liked but the instrumental section here was kind of weak and bland and repetitive in my opinion of the first 3 tracks i think that this was the weakest and it was actually trending down a little bit i liked symbolic zero tolerance so it was kind of like a step back empty words i don't have very many strong positive things to say but i almost feel like we're trending in the wrong direction and i think i seem to like the second half of the album um a little bit more although sacred serenity the next track i actually liked quite a bit but any thoughts on empty words or more of the same for you i have empty words for that that (laughs) Uh, we're gonna fly through this one sacred serenity is 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 a cool track there's a um a nice contrast here between the drums and the bass that starts out, which is one of the first times I'm actually talking about the bass on this album. Um, one of the famous, most you know fam- famous bassists of all time, Steve uh, Steve DiGiorgio, and I'm butchering his name, but I he, he's played on a ton of stuff, including he's played with Megadeth, Testament. Uh, iced Earth, Sebastian Bach. I mean, he's he's been all over the place, but he's a fantastic bassist. And apparently, he was like in the studio recording this album, and then like stopped after recording like two songs. But then he came back and helped them do the remastering of the two thousand and eight re release of the album. I bring it up because the bass on this particular track is is fantastic. And I I, I did cheat. I listened to the two thousand and eight version. I thought that the nineteen ninety five original release was going to be a little too raw for my taste, so I went with the remastered version I I think it's worth noting and the production is pretty decent for a death metal album it's not pristine but it's clear enough I think that you can kind of make everything out but I I, on this track Sacred Serenity love the drums I love the bass Um, the vocals are very discernible and I thought that just in terms of the way this track was structured it was one of the more melodic and better songs, if you will, on the album. Really cool guitar solo, um, and then there's like the little breakdown during the instrumental section, and then it hits you over the head again. This is by Einstein's. far, my, yeah, <laughs> by far one of my
1: uh, my favorite of the first four. Any any thoughts about this one? Yeah, not really. I mean, I, I kind of I, at this point, I still I think um, I think either. The first or the second track would probably be my favorite up until this point um, by, a, by a hair. Okay. Um, the middle track, if you will, the fifth track,
0: is a song called One Thousand Eyes. And it's one of the shorter songs on the album. It's under four and a half minutes. And the first four or five times I heard this song, I, I did not like it. it nothing resonated, resonated on, on this track. Um and then all of a sudden, it kind of hit me, and I started to really warm up to this. Over, you know, at, towards the end of the week, it was a. It's very much driven by the low end, and it's almost like an earthquake the way that it hits because it's fast. It has like the metal exchange gallop in certain parts where you don't really get to say that on 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 most of the tracks here, but this one definitely does. Um, and it's a little bit repetitive in certain ways, but the key signature and the speed changes almost make it like. Praggy, which is weird because it's such a short song, but this one really grew on me and I actually came to like it. It, it took a while. Um, not as good as Sacred Serenity, but a good track kind of hidden in the middle
1: of the album for me. I, I was really impressed with the drumming on this. The, the, the double bass sounds like quadruple bass, the way that it, it's, <laughs> like, it's like... So brr, brr, uh, it's really impressive. Um, uh, this is I, uh, one of the better songs i guess for me um but I, I also like that like there's a guitar part towards the beginning that um is like van eddie van halen-esque it's like a death death van halen riff <laughs> i love it um, yeah <laughs> which, totally it's cool like so for me sometimes just taking like little bits and pieces out of songs there's things that that are like kind of like pleasing or interesting to the ear um it's just that i think when the whole package comes together it's just kind of bland for me um but this is um yeah i agree with you i think this is one of the i don't know i kind of liked it um the first time i liked that it was quick i liked that it had like some fun like fun instrumental parts to it as far as like there's cool drum parts there's cool bass parts there's cool guitar parts and then uh and then they decided to ruin it by putting song vocals over. <laughs> <That was> <laughs> <kidding>. <laughs> um, no, I, 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 I interesting. I'm, 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 it's interesting
0: that you appreciated this one up front, and this one actually just took me a while to to get with. The flip side is, without judgment, the next track, which I'm going to make my song of the week. Um, so you know what? Why don't let's give this a listen, and then we'll, I'll, I'll explain why I chose it.
1: Frivolous, We'll be abolished
0: Maybe saying to yourself why 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 this track as opposed to any of the others and i'll I'll tell you why forget the fact that this is a really really tight track i I think it has one of the more epic sounding tracks on this and what i like was the change in speeds and like the flow of this one i i I particularly enjoyed i think that if i was a fan this would be the one i would want to see live more than any of the others and in certain spots there's almost a homage to a homage to for whom the bell tolls by Metallica. I don't know if you hear it, but it's like this really fast for whom the bell tolls riff in many spots. And this is diverse enough that it keeps it interesting. And I think for all those reasons, I really found this to be one of the better tracks. There's an instrumental section here where it's actually led by the bass and not the guitar or the drums, which I thought was cool because you don't usually hear the instrumental sections driven by the bass. Um, my one knock if I had to give one for this track is that it's a bit jarring in spots because it kind of almost like goes off the cliff where it just goes really, really fast and then just stops. But there was something other than the fact that I got whiplash listening to it. I thought the track was really awesome. I liked it a lot.
1: yeah, I, I really enjoyed the way that it opens up. I think the the way the guitar the technical guitar intro is is really kind of good. like I, I I, I there I definitely agree with you that there's like there's like pockets of progressiveness like that like throughout which is it took me by surprise a few times it was just kind of like you say the word jarring like it's jarring to hear like this this just deathy vocally kind of thing but like layered with this thrashy um, thrashy guitar and like heavy heavy drumming but then at the same time there's like these proggy spots it's it's interesting like i'm i'm kind of glad that that i heard it just because like i don't think i've ever heard anything quite like this before Um, i'm not sure i want to hear anything quite like this again but uh (laughs) it's just interesting just to kind of hear the you know different um elements kind of come together especially in in 1995 it's it's um you know i don't know that if you had not told me what year this came out, I don't know that I would have been able to figure it out. I think I would have just taken, had to throw a dart at the dartboard and guessed.
0: Yeah, I, I, I totally hear you. Um, and maybe it's because the production is pretty decent or or whatever. But um, this was, uh, you, it's hard to place this album because it really is very different from certainly everything else we've covered to to date. Um, the one song on the album, which I actually had some familiarity with, and I guess I'll say it's probably the only song I knew by the band was the next track, which was crystal mountain. And the only reason I knew this track was because Epica has covered this at live shows and it used to be part of their live set, um, for a number of years. But I remember seeing them at Prague power in Atlanta. I'm going back to 2006 and all of a sudden they just break out this cover of death's crystal mountain. And I, I, You know, Mark Jansen's a fantastic singer, and he certainly can do the aggressive style really, really well. I remember this being a highlight of the set, and for whatever reason, I just never went to check out Death. Um, But this is, I think, of of all the songs on the album, I think it might be the most accessible song, and maybe that's why. Um, It reminds me less of a death metal band and more of, like, Iced Earth. This sounds to me like a song that Iced Earth would have put out around 1999. Very groovy. Very groovy very drum heavy and, and and a lot of double bass going on but again just it has that iced earth sound more than anything else even though we don't talk about iced earth anymore but <laughs> we don't talk about iced earth and bruno those that's what we that's what we do in this
1: podcast but um <laughs> what are, what are your thoughts on crystal mountain uh yeah another one of the songs i think i liked uh, slightly more than the rest um mm-hmm. i i have to go back and listen to the epica cover of this though i'm i'm fascinated that they would choose this as a song to cover. Um, It looks like I I I just looked it up and it looks like it was, it must've been a, I think it was a bonus track on their uh, consigned to oblivion album. And then also they have that, that road to Paradiso. um, It's like an orchestral, a live orchestral album. And they have a, they do like an orchestral cover version of, of this, which I think would be really fascinating to hear. Um, And I'm sure I'm guessing that Mark did the, the vocals for the cover, um, indeed, indeed. I feel like if you know, it makes me think that like, had they layered some like orchestrations or like like some like I don't know string instruments or whatever over some of this, I think it could have really gotten gotten it over the hump for me. I, I think I would have enjoyed it a lot more because I just it would have brought an added element to it, which would have helped you gre- like kind of cling on to something as opposed, yeah. To- yeah, it's just because, like, it it is just like you said. It is just kind of raw, just instrumentation, and and it's just like I, you know, I mean, we've been doing this for a lot of episodes. We know what I like, and uh, and and I'm big big on melodies, and and um, that was one of my biggest complaints about um, that Anthrax album when we talked about it. It was just the the lack of melody and um, just the 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 sameness of everything which is kind of similar to how I felt about this so a little bit well, of a parallel there
0: for for those reasons for for exactly the reasons you just stated we get to uh, you know my my if I have to pick a song that I hated the most it was misanthrope the the eighth track this one lost me um there's nothing to grab onto on this track there's no hooks as far as I'm concerned uh, it's it's a similar pace to almost everything that came before it in many ways. And although I completely acknowledge it's a very, very nice technical display, th- I'll throw this in the zero hour, a zero hour category as well. There was just nothing here, which I, I was like, oh, I, I think this stands out or this section is better than the others. I thought it was just a very generic track, but well-placed, right? Because it's buried on the back of the album before their epic song, Perennial Quest, and it needed to be there because if this was any higher, I think it would actually knock the album for me, but I can deal with it because it's right at the end.
1: Yeah. The um, the, the guitar work is very, um, very reminiscent of like early Metallica, in my opinion, like very, yeah. very like Bay Area thrash. <laughs> but then yeah. like, but then it's just like, oh my God, like it's just so, it's just so like, Aggressive. I, I don't know. I, I just, it's, it's, it's fine. I don't, I, I like, you know, I don't think that I actually disliked any, any of the songs on this album, but I don't know that I really loved any of them either. Yeah. I, and, and I get that.
0: Um, especially because this is kind of your, you know, you're, you're dipping your toe into this pool for the first time. So the fact that you didn't outright hate anything, I think is actually. A testament to the strength yeah. of the album. I'm a, I'm a
1: pretty, I'm a pretty open-minded guy. I just think that, like, when it comes to like listening to newer stuff that I like, I'm not familiar with. Like, I think I enjoyed Candle Mass a bit more because sure. I just think that there's more musically going on. Um, you know, I think that I enjoyed, like I said, Strapping Young Lad a bit more. Um, uh, what was that really um, symphonic? band that we talked about. Haggard? Yeah, Haggard. I enjoyed that a bit more. Um, it's just this is kind of more towards the bottom end of the type of metal that I enjoy listening to. Well, I'm, I'm dying to know what we're going to rate this album. But before we get there, <laughs> we, we, we get to the last
0: track, Perennial Quest. This is an epic, if you will. Very technical. But I appreciate it more than the prior track because it's got some other things going on here which were interesting. I hear a lot of doom metal in spots where they really slow it down in, in in the beginning in certain spots. And then all of a sudden, it's like, put your seatbelt on, strap in, because the thing takes off like a rocket ship. There's extended instrumental sections, really cool acoustic outro, which was like a nice touch. You're not hearing a much acoustic guitar on this album, but it, yeah. it, it ends really well. Um, this song was just not what I expected from a death metal band. And although I don't think it was my favorite on, on the album by any means, I appreciate the journey that this song kind of takes the listener on. And I, I actually appreciated it for what it was, even though I didn't love it.
1: Yeah. Um, it, I, I decided that it's going to be my song of the week, mostly nice. just because there's a lot of, there's a lot of parts where you can actually just enjoy the instrumental section where it's just, just the guitar or just just the drums or whatever and like the kind of all the the in your face vocals are, are kind of more sporadic and so a little less obnoxious and then and then just the fact that there was like some friggin acoustic guitar at the end of this it was almost like um it was almost like a reward for mm-hmm. being put through you know 48 minutes of, of just like just craziness um so yeah, let's uh let's give it a, a listen and uh this yeah, this was um I'm shocked that this longest song on the album was the one that I ended up gravitating towards the most, but you know, here it is.
0: So there you have it. Um, that is Death's Symbolic.
1: Um I just put okay. on the the Epica cover, yeah. the orchestral version of Crystal Mountain, and boy listen, if, if Epica covered this album, I think I would have liked it a hell of a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Listen, I, I there, there's a lot to work with, and I can see why they chose it for a cover. Um this album, before we get to our rankings, has gotten a ton of universal praise. Uh, metal Rules has said it's the seventh greatest extreme metal album of all time, the 58th greatest heavy metal album of all time. Uh, journalist Martin Popoff says, quote, the band's most impressive and crossover-ish to date combining conventional metal, traces of doomy, Germanic melody, and heaps of progressive might. A lot more eloquent than I am, I suppose, but that's why he's a journalist. And I'm well,
1: can you explain to me what Germanic melody means?
0: <laughs> no, but whatever it is, I think you heard it on Crystal Mountain. Um, it's 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 widely praised as, as one of the better death metal albums of all time. And I'll speak for myself, I'm going to give my rating first. To me, it was a 6.75. There was stuff here I really really liked, and a lot that kind of lost me. One week was not enough for this album, I think I needed a month maybe six months to really listen to it, walk away from it, go back to it. And I think that the potential was there for even a much higher score. But I had a week, and in a week I couldn't get it any higher than that just because there was stuff that lost me and and bits that I missed. But I see why this band is loved, and I I think that if I go back to it, I'd probably enjoy it more with each and every listen. But I only had a week, and, and that's where I'm at. I have to ask you, though... Is this going to eclipse Anthrax? Did you like it better than Anthrax, or are they right neck and neck with the same score?
1: Uh, I, you know what? I, I I think that Anthrax has spent enough time in the in the basement. It's time for a new low or a new bottom feeder, I guess. Um, I gave Anthrax a five. I'm going to give this a a four point seven five. Um, I I enjoyed that. I just enjoyed Anthrax a touch a touch more. I'll just be very honest.
0: I appreciate that. Um, we'll get to next week in a second. I just want to mention some news. Obviously, we we spoke about Epica, you know, because of, of Crystal Mountain. They have announced a new project called The Alchemy Project. And this has me really intrigued. They teamed up with a bunch of other bands and songwriters, including Flesh God Apocalypse, um, Nilo from Insomnium. Bjorn Streed from Soilwork, Tommy Karavik from Camelot, um, Raul Helden from Powerwolf. I mean, they kind of got a who's who here and they've actually not just had these partnerships where they're going to help sing the songs and whatnot, but these other songwriters are actually working with Epica on this project to make the music, to create the music and obviously lend their hand at the recording I'm really intrigued as to what this is going to be. It could be a complete cluster, but I also think that this has the potential to be fantastic. Um, what are your thoughts on this? You don't really hear about bands doing something like this.
1: No, and I think that makes it all the more exciting. Um, and I love that Epic is always looking for ways to to kind of do things that are unique, like cover death songs. Um, yeah. and, and this is definitely another cool thing and a lot of cool names like you just mentioned and um man i gotta tell you like i'm super excited to see them live next month because i haven't seen them i f- i think the last time i saw them was i was with you in new york city and an ailstorm opened for them um it was probably shortly after they had headlined at Prague power most recently um mm-hmm. that was a while ago. Um,
0: it was. Um, I saw them on 70,000 Tons, which I referenced earlier on in 2020 or what have you. Uh, they were really good, and, and that's not surprising. They are a professional band at this point, uh, but they are really, really good, and it almost doesn't even matter what they play because whatever song they pull from their back catalog is probably going to be pretty damn good. So that's going to be fun with Sabaton. Um, that's going to be three hours or so of really, really good music, and I'm looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, and I, I mean I've seen Sabaton more recently than Epica, but also it's been a while. It was definitely before COVID. Um the last time I saw them was at um PlayStation Theater with uh Leaves Eyes and Battle Beast. That was a that was a lot of fun. That was a fun show. Um so that but that had to be at least four or five years ago. So uh, um Sabaton's the kind of band where like I could get um just like a little bit spent on them if I listen to them too much or see them live too much. But I think that enough time has passed. I think I'm going to have like just a really good time. I think it's just two very different bands, but two bands that I absolutely love seeing. And I think that's just going to be a lot of fun. Not to mention that it's following uh, an Iron Maiden and Within Temptation arena show just days prior. Um, Yeah. It's going to be a fun week. I'm I'm, yeah. And I'm going to see an Islanders game uh, at UBS arena for the first time the night before the Iron Maiden show. So uh, lots of lots to look forward to. Nice. We'll we'll have to figure
0: out when we're recording that week, but I, I'm sure we'll give a recap of both shows. Um, you know, probably in long form on the show. That'll be a, just because there's so many heavy hitters in one week. Um, a little bit of sad news. I feel like I'm doing this too much, but I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the passing of David Anderson from soil work, 47 years old. He's the guitar player for soil work and night flight orchestra. Um, just really really sad he, he passed away apparently he was battling some alcohol and mental health issues uh and and was sick for some time and and appa- the both bands released statements that david wanted uh both bands to continue so it's not the end of the bands but unfortunately mr anderson has passed away at the young age of 47 i've seen him live with soil work a handful of times very good guitar player just sad when when you don't get your own uh issues under control um not for lack of want necessarily just because it's a difficult thing for, for many.
1: Yeah. It's, it's a, uh, it's a bummer. I mean, it, it stinks. Um, I, I was sad to hear it and, and, um, you know, the only, I guess the only, uh, upbeat part of it, I guess, is just that the bands will, will kind of carry on. And, and I think they both made really nice, um, tributes and, and, uh, it stinks. Mental health is a, is a real, a real tough thing. So, uh, you know, many uh, condolences to the the fa- the fans and the family and the friends of of, uh, of another fallen hero. It's a it's just a bummer. Definitely. Um, little other news just to uh, go out on a little bit of a higher note. I
0: mentioned the Halo Effect a couple of weeks ago and how much I enjoyed their new album. Obviously, they were an offshoot of In Flames. In Flames themselves are releasing a new album. It's coming out February tenth of next year. It's called Forgone. It's their 14th studio album which is wow. just incredible that they have this many albums um, but they are they the album is set to be released. a new single I believe called "Forgone part one has been has kind of been leaked out and and that's out there. so it should be interesting. Um, I have not been a fan of much of their most recent material. That being said, I will always give a new inflames album a shot just because I'm curious more than anything else. Um, so that's something to look forward to early next year. Um, and uh, that should wrap up the news for this week. Next week we bring something quite special. Uh, we are covering after um, let's just say this after the announcement of the Merciful Fate tour. It had me very curious, and we are going to do "Don't Break the Earth." Don't break the oath from 194. And I had mentioned this briefly, I think, on last week's show. But we're going to be joined by two special guests, Carrie and Sean, who have their MSR Metalcast. Um, they've been around for a long time, even longer than us. They'll be joining us to discuss this album in long form. And I'm curious to get their thoughts as well as yours because, we, you know, we go from the extreme vocals of, of Chuck Schuldner to the extreme vocals of King Diamond. We went from real low and dark to really, really high. And it's, it's a complete contrast, but somehow they're both on opposite ends of this extreme spectrum. I have a feeling you're going to like this a little bit more, though.
1: I do too. uh, Even though I have absolutely no idea what to expect, but um, it was funny last night. I went to see um, Clerks Three, and there's a scene where one of the characters is literally dressed up head to toe as King Diamond, and I thought thought the timing was uh, was quite good. Also, um, I think Randall is wearing a King Diamond shirt at, or maybe Jay. Somebody's wearing a King Diamond shirt at some point in the movie as well. So. I think it was just a, a just a, a sign that it was time to to strap in and and listen to some King Diamond. I, I I do know a handful of King Diamond songs. I do not know anything by Merciful Fate unless somebody else covered it and I thought it was uh, their original song. <laughs> Shout out to Hammerfall. Um, this wouldn't yeah. be the first time, but
0: it, it should be interesting. I look forward to it. I look forward to getting their opinion on it as well, just because this is this is you know one of the stalwarts. And this album, believe it or not, I think came out um, thir- th- what is it, 40 almost 40 years ago, 39 years ago, September 7th. So we're we we're, just celebrated an anniversary uh, of this album, Don't Break the Oath. 39 years, man. It well, it's, it's time to see if this holds up. I, 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 too was familiar with some of the King Diamond material, um, but I'd never heard a note of merciful fate. So it's going to be an interesting ride. I'm looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, there were two King Diamond songs in Clerks too, So wow. that's kind of how I first started hearing some uh, some songs by them. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, Caleb also, I think, had played some for me. And so, you know, it, it's I'm, I know what to expect as far as his vocals go. So at least that won't be... That won't be shocking. shocking. <laughs> well,
0: it's uh, four octave range to say the least, but we'll get there next week, uh, and then we have a request coming for the following week, and I'll just drop a little hint here. This is a request unlike any other. This is this is a different one. Um, certainly in in the wheelhouse and in the in the vein of what we do, uh, but not not Halloween. I'll leave it at that.
1: Yeah, another uh, another interesting uh, another interesting dynamic vocalist after the proceeding two, and and uh i'm still mulling over what what we'll uh listen to after that um but uh i have some time so i will take i'll take my time to think it over well i like
0: it enjoy we'll be back next week and uh appreciate the love and support and we will come back next week with some merciful fate enjoy the week bud i will talk to you soon
1: all right take care buddy